Hey, I'm so glad that you joined us this afternoon. And um, you, know, you know who you are out there, whoever you are that prayed for a white Christmas, right? Uh, you, you were paying dividends for that prayer. But I uh, want to say thank you for making the trip out to join us this evening. And tonight, we've done this because of the fact that we believe that God is worthy of our praise. We sing songs about the advent of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you in one particular area this afternoon, in the few minutes that I'll share with you today. And that is that the God that I worship and serve, the God that we've praised together today, is a God that can give us the gift of certainty. I want you to think about questions that you have in your life. We all have questions. We all uh, have ways that we try to find answers for our questions. But I want you to think about the very specifically questions that you've asked in your life. And uh, some of them are silly, easy questions, right? Like uh, these questions I still can't figure out an answer to. Like, um, like what is the difference between Goofy and Pluto if they're both Disney dogs, right? Uh, or this question, somebody asked this the other day. I thought it was silly. but uh, So if you ask a bald person to wash their face, where do they stop, right? That's a good question. I like that one. Or did um, Adam and Eve have belly buttons? I think that's really a deep, profound question, right? Or will the Browns ever make it to the Super Bowl? Yeah. Yeah, so that must be a Steelers fan out there. So, you know, you know, questions, you know, questions that we have um, that are common are, are one thing. But, but when it comes to the deepest questions of our life, I want to encourage you this, this afternoon to consider what it means to find true answers to our deepest questions. I, when I have a tough question, sometimes I'll ask my smart speaker, and I realize that it or myself are not that smart, right? I'll ask it, like, what's the shortest day of the year? And it'll tell me places where I can buy beer. Some of you know what I mean. You, you've, you've asked your, your not-so-smart speaker questions, or you've had a, a medical issue that's come up, and, and all of us can, can raise our hand and say, we've tried the WebMD self-diagnosis method, right? Uh, your, your toe hurts and you have dry mouth and so you get on there and you find out that you have like cirrhosis of the liver, right? Because you, you're searching to find answers. Well, we, we know that um, there's those kinds of searching that we have, but I want to remind you that the God of all truth is comfortable with us asking really hard questions. Today, we're going to look at two different types of questions from two different people both of them overwhelmed by God's ability to potentially answer their questions. And before we dive into the text, I just want to remind you of the fact that God is a, is a, um, is the, has the ability, the source to answer the deepest questions of our life. And, and for some of us, when we've been disappointed by the answers we've received, we, we can relate to, maybe you've heard the, the story um, that, that I grew up hearing. I think my mom shared this with me one time, and that was a, that, that how many spiders do you eat when you sleep at night on average in a year? Have you guys heard this before? Have you heard numbers um, that have been, so I've heard up to eight spiders that you eat every year. And I, I was fascinated to do a little research and find out that that was actually um, a, a story that was in a news article back in the 90s uh, when the internet was becoming popular. And um, it was basically a research study that went to say that you could say just about anything. Uh, good news is you and I don't on average eat eight spiders a year. But you could say just about anything online and someone may pick it up and then consider it to be a truthful statement. So we know there's false sources for information or inaccurate sources of information. And I want to celebrate together with you on this 
this um, day before Christmas as we celebrate the Christ Mass together, the gift of the incarnation of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the questions that we ask to God have very good answers. And in fact, I would suggest to you this afternoon that God is the best place to find answers about God. <laughs> that God is the best place to find answers about the deepest questions that we have. God is a giver of truth. And while it's important for us to ask um, the deepest questions of life, um, it's also important for us to understand that God's not afraid to deal with our questions. And if you have your Bibles, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to the verses that are before the famous verses of the Christmas story in the book of Luke and beginning in Luke chapter one. I want you to see something that's really encouraging to me. It says this, Luke, the one who, through the inspired word of God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who wrote the book of Luke that many of us here read by, um, I think it's Linus and Charlie Brown's Christmas, and we've read it multiple times today already, the record, the record of the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the verses before this, Dr. Luke says this in verse one, he says, inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely from some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught." that you might have certainty in the things that you've been taught over the years. And I want to encourage you as we look at this, that this is God's word saying to us that we can trust God, that we can take God at his word, that, that there were eyewitnesses from the very beginning of the story of Jesus, from the incarnation of Christ that not only participated and understood and watched it and observed it, but it was so meaningful in their life that many of them would die for their faith. And here, the good physician, Luke, is going to record, like a good physician, the details of the story. And what's fascinating to me is the first thing that he shares with us as he talks to us about the advent of Jesus and, and the question that might come up is a story from a good man who asked an interesting question to God. In fact, his question to God was one that was saturated with doubt. Um, that was one that, that, that showed us an example of a person who really misunderstood the power and authority and might of God. That's going to be contrasted with the question that Mary asks when Mary finds out that she's going to be the mother of Jesus, her question back is one that I think is fantastic. It says, God, you're so big, how will you do this thing? But there was another man by the name of Zechariah, and if you have your Bible, I'd like to invite you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. And we're going to see that Zechariah had his doubts about the capability of God meeting his deepest needs. And I want to remind you this afternoon that when it comes to faith in God, that it's not just blind faith that we have. One of my professors in seminary used to say this, that the Christian faith does not, Dr. Constable says this, the Christian faith does not require believing things that are contrary to facts, but believing things that are absolutely true. And here, Zechariah, as we see him in verse 5, he is a man who was a good man. He was in the religion business, actually. He was close to uh, the truth of God. But when it came to actually trusting and depending on God, he found that to be very difficult. See what it says in verse 5. In the days of Herod, 
the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. Now, he wasn't the highest priest, but he was one of the priests that worked in the temple. And there was a very special day where the priest, one priest was selected from all of the other priests to be able to have this special duty. And it happened to be Zechariah. It says, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Then they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all commandments and statutes of the Lord. These were good people, but they had no child um, because Elizabeth was barren. And the text says that both of them were advanced in years. That's a, that's a nice way to say that they were old. <laughs> and uh, I wish, I wish um, when, when people tease me about being old, they'd, they'd use that term advanced in ears, years. I like the way um, humorous Jeffrey Parfit says, he says, people say that age is just a state of mind. I say that it's more about the state of your body. <laughs> Some of you can relate to that. You know you're getting old when everything hurts and what doesn't hurt doesn't work. Somebody can relate to that. We, we understand that um, there were things about Elizabeth that had ceased in her body that allowed her to give up the hope that she had of being a parent. And we see later in the text that, that both her husband and she, Zechariah and Elizabeth, both had, they considered it a source of great sadness. They prayed to God for many years and they were disappointed in the fact that God hadn't given them what they had been asking for. I think for some of us in this room, I can relate to this, that we see what God has provided for other people on a different timeline or we've recognized that God has done things um, that we thought he was going to do for us, for other people, and we found ourselves, it's okay to say it, disappointed with what God has done for us. We've been discouraged by the fact that others have been given what we have been asking him for. And, and so here we see this with Zechariah and Elizabeth, that they've asked God for this gift of life, then instead they have had to remain faithful, but they haven't received the gift of life yet. But that yet is what, where we're headed, and it's really interesting that their unmet expectations, and I think this can happen to some of us, the unmet expectations that we have can lead us to, to a point where we give up on God or to stop seeking him to provide for our deepest needs, that we can give up on the, the wrestling that we have with, with the desires of our heart. And here um, we see what happens in, in verse 8 is that Zechariah was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. This was a once-in-a-lifetime honor. This was an opportunity for him to enter into what wasn't the Holy of Holies, but the court right outside of it. And for a priest like him, this would have been his finest hour. Um, the expectation would be that he'd go in, he'd burn incense, um, recognizing the presence of God, and then he'd come out and give a blessing and to preach maybe a little sermon. And while he's in there, um, there's a group of people who are outside uh, recognizing this special event. And the whole multitude of people were praying outside in the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and he his, in fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, 
and many will rejoice at his birth. This is John that we know of, maybe one of the most famous men in the Bible, John the Baptist. And so here at Zechariah, in, um, an old man is told that God is going to allow his wife to get pregnant. He's going to be a father. And that moment in history was very significant because the angel's doing something miraculous in front of him, saying something amazing. And his response back is pretty mundane. He says to the angel, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. It is a tragedy to underestimate our God. It's a tragedy to stand back in this season where we talk about the incarnation, God with us, the gift of Christ, to stand back and say, is this really possible? Sadly, he underestimated God's ability to keep his promises. And in verse 19, the angel doesn't appreciate it. It says, um, the angel said back to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was set, spent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. You know what he's saying there? Gabriel is saying, I get to be in the presence of God. He answers prayers. I get to be in the presence of God. He's faithful. I get to be in the presence of God. He knows your deepest needs. And, and I'm actually a messenger of God to say to you that God can answer your prayers. And you just said back to me, you don't believe that God can do such a significant thing. I think for Zechariah, he was a man that underestimated God. His God was a little too small. He was incapable of addressing his deepest needs. And for some of us in this room, I think we wrestle with that sometimes. God, can you really meet my deepest needs? God, do you really know the things about me that I have the deepest fears in or the struggles of my heart? And I'll just say to you in my life that, that I found that it's a tragedy to underestimate God. So Zechariah, um, we are told in the text, he is put in a uh, kind of uh, holy time out here. God puts him on the bench a bit. And then, behold, you will be silent. You'll be unable to speak until the day that these things will take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. So, so here Zechariah doesn't believe that God can do this miraculous thing. If you live in that space in your life, could God really do this? I think you're missing out on the blessing of recognizing that God can do, I'll just tell you this, whatever he wants, right? He can do mighty things. We've seen him do mighty things in our life, many of us. And so I want to encourage you today um, that, that because he misunderstood, uh, he had been given a gift. I mean, really, we get to see the unwrapping of this gift. You're going to have the child that you've longed for. You're going to play a key part in the history of the world in the recognition that John Baptist would be the man who would say, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Instead, what Zechariah would have to do over those nine months. By the way, as a parent expecting the gift of a child, those nine months are awesome for a family, excited to look forward to the birth of a new child. And for Allie and I, when we expected our daughters, that was awesome, that time. And here's Zechariah at this point is unable to speak. He's unable to hear. We see because of sign language later. And, and at the end of the day, he just got to, he had to miss out on a gift that God wanted to give to him. My friends, this afternoon, I just want to encourage you. We talk about gifts. We're going to open up gifts tonight. Some of you are going to open up so many gifts tonight that you're going to have paper cuts on your hands, right? Or you're going to be wrapping your gifts tonight and so you can open gifts. It's, it's, it's something we do, we recognize, but I don't want you to ignore the fact that 
that the God that loves you has given you an incredible gift, and it is the gift of his son. Um, We know that there were people who were waiting outside when Zechariah came out, and then um, when they saw that he was unable to speak, I'm sure that they were just shocked. What did he do? How did you mess that up so bad? Um, but, but I also want to recognize, and this is really special to me, even if we've messed up before in our past, what's awesome is that Zechariah is going to be restored. God's going to forgive him. He's going to experience God's blessing when he obeys the Lord. Verse 24 goes on to say that after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my reproach among people. In other words, he's given me the gift of a child. You know, when you and I ask the right questions, we can find that God has all of the answers. Now we get to see Elizabeth's cousin, Mary, And Mary's response, her question wasn't, God, it's not possible for you to do this thing. You can't do this. But instead, it's, God, how are you going to do this? How are you going to do this awesome thing? I don't know how you're going to do it, but how's it going to happen? Look at what it says in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. We already know that angel, right? He's already shown up here. Uh, From God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tired, um, tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with your God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb, you will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great. And he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father, David. I'm going to invite you to join us tomorrow on Christmas day at 10 o'clock. We're going to unpack what the name of Jesus means for us. But here she says that he's going to be our savior. Verse 33, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, and this is her question, the second question, How will this be because I'm a virgin? She says, I'm not married. I don't know. I haven't known a man. I I don't believe that this is possible, but I trust you that you will do a miraculous thing. It's subtle, but her statement was a, a statement of belief, not a statement of fear. Verse 35, and the angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, uh, so now she comes back into the story, in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing, this is the, this is the best verse uh, for us to understand what it means to trust God. Verse 37, I hope you can say this in your heart today. For nothing will be impossible with God. To be honest with you, that's that's whether we trust him or not. God can do whatever he wants. God is good. He can allow someone to experience the gift of the incarnation, and he can allow you to experience it too. For some of you, you look at your past and you question, am am I redeemable? Or is, is there something that God would ever do for me if he knows my full story? And I'll just tell you, Nothing will be impossible with God. 
Verse 38, and Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So two different kinds of questions. One full of skepticism, fear, and ignorance. The other full of expectation, anticipation, and trusting that God can do what he says he's going to do. So, so what's your question this Christmas to God? What, what are the deepest things that you wrestle with inside? We've been going through the series, and what I love about that, that those opening verses in, in the book of Luke is that he says to us that you and I can actually have certainty in our belief. And I believe that belief is the way that we receive the true gift of Christmas, the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I love the way Pastor Rick Warren describes the gospel. He summarizes it well when he says, the Bible says that heaven is a perfect place, there are no mistakes or inconsistencies. It is perfect. Because of that, only perfect people get to go there. If God let imperfect people into heaven, then guess what happens to that perfect, imperfect place? It, of that perfect place, it becomes an imperfect place. So he said, if God let imperfect people into heaven, it wouldn't be perfect anymore. So that means you and I don't stand a chance in a million of getting into heaven on our own effort. That's me, that's you. I lost my chance at perfection a long time ago. So God had to come up with a plan B. So he sent his savior so that we could get in on someone else's ticket. That is the good news. A savior has been born. So when John the Baptist, that special son that was born, when he said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, he pointed at the the adult Lord Jesus Christ, that would be the ultimate sacrifice that would allow us to go from death to life. And so I want to challenge you this afternoon as we talk about receiving the gift of Christmas, um, that, that, that the God that you and I have been worshiping today, that we sing about this time of year, that he is a God that has not only revealed himself to us, but he has showed us that we can receive him with certainty. And so I want to invite you, I want to challenge you to consider if there's any question that's keeping you back from understanding the, the role that God wants to play in your life, would you ask those questions? I have found in my life that there are really good answers to the deepest questions that we ask. If you're skeptical, would you come before the Lord and share with him the reason for your skepticism, but stand back and also listen when he proves and shows himself faithful? He's good. And, and I want to remind you, like Mary said, how will this be? We don't always know the rest of the story, but we know the one who knows the rest of the story. And so when Zechariah was restored with his voice, when he was able to hear again, he was able to be the father that he longed to be. And he named John uh, with the name that God had told him to name him unexpectedly because they would have expected him to name him after the family line. But instead, what he just said right then as he said, I'm going to do what God asks of me, not just in the religious settings of my life, but I'm going to do what God asks of me in every area of my life. And I think that's what it, what it means for us to watch a life that was redeemed, that was restored. So, so this, this Christmas Eve, I want to thank you for joining us. I want to thank you for hearing the story of Christ multiple times today. But I want to also recognize that there has been a gift that's been given to you in the Messiah, in the name of Jesus, that is designed for you and I to go from death to life, to be able to experience his precious gift. 
And so as we um, now move into a time that we're going we're gonna to worship together, I'm going to invite the worship team to come back forward. Uh, we're going to sing a praise song um, that reminds us of the goodness that the Lord has done on our behalf. And then we're going to close our time out with a special time, a candlelight um, time of worship and praise. And I think you're going to really enjoy this time. But I'm going to invite you to bow your heads together with me first. And, and I'm going to give you space right now to um, ask to the God that loves you, your deepest questions. Ask him those things that have maybe for some of you allowed yourself to get into the way of receiving the gift that he's given you of certainty. I'm going to ask you to do what Mary did, um, to ask a question, Lord, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I trust that you will because I believe you. I'm going to invite those of you who have not chosen to receive this gift before in your life to not Ignore the fact that he's given this precious gift. He loves you. He knows you perfectly. He knows your deepest needs. And um, as, we, as we consider um, what it means to respond appropriately to him, I want to invite you. I'm going to encourage you. I want to challenge you to bring your deepest questions to the God that created you, knows you perfectly, who loves you. And he does desire to have you be with him for eternity in his presence. He bought that price with his blood on the cross.